0: Hello and welcome to episode 42 of
1: Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is
0: a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are raw on Rotten Tomatoes and reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 1986's Top Gun, directed by Tony Scott, starring Tom Cruise, Kelly McGillis, Val Kilmer, Anthony Edwards, Tom Skerritt, Michael Ironside, Meg Ryan, Rick Rossovich, Whip. Hubley, and James Tolkien. Top Gun in his 1986 American action film. This film currently holds a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis?
1: Pete Maverick Mitchell is a young naval aviator aboard the aircraft carrier USS Enterprise. He and the radar intercept officer Nick Goose Bradshaw are given the chance to train at the Navy's Fighter Weapons School or, as the naval officers call, the Top Gun Academy. The film depicts Maverick's progress through the training, his romance with a female instructor, and his overcoming a crisis of confidence following a Fatal training accident. Okay, guys, Top Gun. What is your history with this? I, being a hot-blooded patriot, have seen this movie several hundred times.
2: I have also seen this movie more times than I can count. I own this. We watched my personal <laughs> DVD copy of it. And I even dressed up as Maverick for Halloween, senior year of college, and have the picture to prove it. Let's take a look at this. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Ha, ha, ha. Maverick, I got fighter pilot glasses on. Uh,
1: for people at home, that he... is a piss poor I've performance. My, I've got my jeans. Perpetrated and my... by, <laughs> perpetrated by Kevin here.
2: And my, my white undershirt.
1: <laughs> he, yeah. that's not a bomber jacket. He just okay. To I
2: was, I was throat. in college. It I didn't have money to go buy looks, a hundred dollar uh, bomber it looks, jacket. It looks like
1: you ran into J C Penney's and picked up a Sean John jacket. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're, like,
1: you're like, yeah, this will work.
0: That's a costume. <laughs> He <laughs> just look like a regular guy.
1: <laughs> what are you? Why? Why are you wearing regular clothes? I'm Maverick. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh.
0: Oh, well, okay. So I've never seen this movie before, but I did give Kevin the world's greatest gift several years ago.
2: Yeah, yeah you really did. It's several years ago. <laughs> it was like when we were in, what, high school? It must have been. Two,
0: it, it was 2001. That's when I okay. was Okay,
2: Yeah. You gave me, what? there was a Top Gun video game out at the time, right? Yeah, That's PS2. You got
0: it? I used to work at Land, and one of the freebies they gave away with a pre-order of the Top Gun
2: game was a
0: hat. It's a Top Gun. It had the logo on it.
2: Yeah, a baseball cap. And I gave it to Kevin because I knew he liked the movie. And it was in the back of my car for <laughs> years until the sun faded it away to nothing. <laughs> the hat itself just disappeared
1: yeah. out of existence. Like Dracula's castle? Like, I don't know. So, what, are, what are you talking you, what, are you talk, what do you mean it faded just, out of existence? It
2: turned to dust one day. The sun bleached it so much. It sounds like you really cared
1: about it. <laughs> <laughs> I left it in my backyard in a dirty tire. <laughs> Rainwater just kind of dissolved it. Okay, so you two
0: are the Top Gun fanboys. I'm the virgin yet again. So let's...
1: (laughs) This such like a misappropriate term for this movie. Top Gun virgin. I choose my words
0: very carefully. No, you don't. All right, so let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one, and we will see how you thought they did. Okay, first up, Tom Cruise.
2: Vintage Cruise, right? I mean, he he was cruising it up this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> was he on cruise control? He was. He was he was <laughs>
0: definitely
1: on cruise control. He had this like shit-eating grin the entire movie cuz he was a Maverick and I loved it. <laughs>
0: Is this Tom Cruise's best role? No. No,
1: this isn't his best role. What do you think is? Vanilla Sky? Yeah, I'm going to go Vanilla
0: Sky. It's my favorite Cruise movie.
2: I would toss it up between that or A Few Good Men. Okay. Pretty phenomenal in that movie. All right,
0: so we're in agreement. Cruise did a good job here. Yeah. Next up, Kelly McGillis. There were some choice words (laughs) hurled at the screen through the course of this viewing. (laughs) Kevin being one of the key perpetrators. Kevin?
2: She was all right. Let's put it this way. If this movie was made today, she would not be picked for this role, right? I mean, this was. Who's the modern day Kelly McGillis? Oh, oh my, geez. First time that question's ever been asked in the <laughs> history of the world. Mickey Rourke?
1: <laughs> as far as her acting goes, I thought it was unremarkable. There wasn't anything that stood out for me in her performance. Did you guys think that she fell, you know, head over heels in love with Tom Cruise? Did did you guys get that feeling at all?
2: No. No, she had to explain it to us, right? Yeah,
1: she did. She had to yeah. she had to tell us that she was in love with him, which is not a good sign. That's a
2: great sign, right? Yeah.
1: You have to verbally tell people that you're in love with someone and let them know. Yeah, I But d-
2: well, wait, I, she was trying to hide it though. Like she couldn't she didn't want people to know that, so she was hiding it. Yeah, but when she was alone with him
1: later on in the movie, it, I, I didn't get that <laughs> feeling either. She was Even and then and then <laughs> And then you have like to hide your love away, like Eddie Vedder once told me. And then right right after she confesses her love to him, and they, I guess, have sex Yeah, whatever. Have sex. I guess that's what it is. Is that what that was? It was like the most disturbing. The sex scenes in Species were were more erotic than what was going on in this movie. Are you kidding
0: me? Those are ultra erotic.
1: <laughs> that movie was like a porno. The sex scenes in you could pick another one. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a movie that's like not erotic at all. All right,
0: uh, next up. Making his triumphant return to our show, Mr. Val Kilmer.
1: He was something else in this one. That was his role. He was supposed to be a dick. He's another guy with a shit-eating grin. I
2: thought from it was awesome. Awesome.
1: I kept getting this feeling that he was going to make out with Tom Cruise the entire movie. But I, I don't know whose fault that was. Was that, was Tom Cruise... I mean, like, half the time, I think Tom was kind of going in... <laughs> And then the other half of the time Iceman started to lean in and then Iceman almost bit him at one point. But I mean that's that's a very famous scene. I mean obviously we're not the first people to bring this up nor will we be the last. There was definitely a lot of uh There's some undertones in this movie. Yeah, and there was definitely a lot of tension between Tom Cruise's character and Val Kilmer's character as far as them passionately making out over and over again. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Next <stop. laughs>
0: The real star of this movie, E.R.'s very own Anthony Edwards. I didn't even recognize this guy. Like, I knew he was in this movie, but I did not recognize him as Goose. That mustache
1: really threw me for a loop. He's not the real star. My eyes. Tom Selleck was the real star of this movie. Tom Selleck? <laughs> Tom Skerritt? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Tom Skerritt. Whatever, same mustache. Anthony Edwards?
2: He played the character pretty well. I mean, he was fun, goofed around a little bit. I think he was the most likable person in this movie. Definitely the most likable person.
1: Yeah, too bad his neck had to get broken.
0: <laughs>
1: okay, Tom Skerritt. had a mustache
0: I so wouldn't quit. Yeah, very fatherly. To the Top Gun. <laughs> yeah, to the Top Top Gun boys. He was <laughs> the father.
2: He was that same role that he's played in everything I've ever seen him in. He plays it well.
0: He plays it well. Just like our next guy, Michael Ironside. Mm-hmm. I was so pleased to see this. This guy in this movie. This to, guy
1: is the dark side?
0: Yeah. I can't get enough of this guy. It's pretty good. He does the same thing over and over again, but it's like perfected. Yeah. What is his job? Splinter cell. That's his job. Okay, next up, a very young, very nubile. Tim Robbins? <laughs> <laughs> is
3: that
0: is that is that where you were going? Yeah, Andy Dufresne. A very young Andy Dufresne. <laughs> yeah, he
1: wasn't convicted of murder yet. No, a very young Meg Ryan. Oh. <sighs> she looked like she was drunk and disheartened like she just like woke up. The she looked
0: really poor in this movie. Like her hair
1: was awful. I feel like that that's just like an eighties thing. Eighties hair. Yeah,
2: I she was fun. And have this. I don't think her revulsion act- that you did. I don't think her acting was poor. It was like um,
0: her hair looked like. Remember in that episode of Seinfeld where George buys that cheap Russian hat? And yeah, it falls yeah. apart. And yeah, yeah. Her hair looked like that, except blonde colored.
2: Yeah, but it was it was a different generation. I mean, you can you can nitpick that about just about any female star from the 80s. You know
0: what? I'm going to say this. Uh, a lot of the style that's in this movie, it probably would have been dated in the 90s, but like today, stupid mustaches, big glasses, goofy looking t-shirts. Well, the big glasses is back now, though. It all, uh, that's what I'm saying. All that stuff is back. Yeah, yeah but in a big, well, big way. Not yeah, all but,
1: of it. Yeah, it's back, but it's back because they know it looks goofy. In the 80s, they legitimately thought it looked yeah, great. There's no irony there. There was the, There was no irony. Who had the better mustache? Goose? Who? Scarred or Goose? Scarred has been working on that mustache for like 40 years at that point and like
0: <laughs> <laughs> his
1: lifelong quest <laughs> for life life the, ultimate, the mustache. ultimate mustache him versus Tom Selleck okay so
0: yeah these other people whatever let's just move on to the rest of the movie okay let me give you the brief history of Top Gun the primary inspiration for the film was the article Top Guns in the May 1983 issue of California Magazine both John Carpenter and David Cronenberg turned down the chance to direct Val Kilmer did not want to be in the film but was forced to by contractual obligations. Director Tony Scott was officially fired three times during production. The producers wanted the assistance of the United States Navy in production of the film. The US Navy was influential in relation to script approval, which saw changes being made. The opening dogfight was moved to international waters, as opposed to Cuba. The language was toned down, and a scene that involved a crash on the deck of an aircraft carrier was also scrapped. Maverick's love interest was also changed from a female enlisted member of the Navy to a civilian contractor with the Navy due to the United States Department of Defense's prohibition of fraternization between officers and enlisted personnel. The Charlie character also replaced an aerobics instructor from an early draft as a love interest for Maverick. The Navy made available several aircrafts from F-14 Fighter Squadron, VF-51 Screaming Eagles for the film. Paramount paid as much as $7,800 per hour for fuel and other operating costs whenever aircrafts were flown outside of their normal duties. During filming, Tony Scott wanted to shoot aircraft landing and taking off, backlit by the sun, during one particular filming sequence. The ship's commanding officer changed the ship's course, thus changing the light. When Scott asked if they could continue their previous course and speed, he was informed by the commander that it cost $25,000 to turn the ship and to continue on course. Scott wrote the carrier's captain a $25,000 check so that the ship could be turned around and he could continue shooting for another five minutes. Renowned aerobatic pilot Art Scholl was hired to do in-flight camera work for the film. The original script called for a flat spin, which Shoal was to perform and capture on a camera on the aircraft. The aircraft was observed to spin through its recovery altitude, at which time he radioed, I have a problem, I have a problem. Shoal was unable to recover and crashed his Pitts S2 into the Pacific Ocean off the Southern California coast near Carlsbad on September 16, 1985. Neither Shoal nor his aircraft were recovered, leaving the official cause of the accident unknown. Top Gun was dedicated to the memory of Art Shoal. Top Gun quickly became a phenomenon and was the highest grossing film of 1986. It was number one on its first weekend and went on to make a worldwide box office total of
1: 400 million, 350 million.
0: Kevin wins 353 million. Oh. The United States Navy stated that after the film's release, the number of young men who enlisted wanting to be naval aviators went up by 500%. Top Gun is currently being converted into 3D for a 2012 re release in theaters, pending Tony Scott's. To- Approval. <laughs> Kevin just face palmed himself. I'm not Kevin, be your thoughts
2: That is a terrible, that is a terrible idea, right? <laughs> Why? For a new
1: generation, top gun. But 3D. But like think about the scenes where like Iceman and Maverick are about to kiss each other. In glorious 3D? <laughs> it's gonna be, you know, gloriously close to my lips. They should have smell o vision as well. Yeah, as I want to smell his breath when he goes to
2: bite him. <laughs> that 3D volleyball scene will be something to behold. Oh
1: man, yeah, absolutely. 3D high fives. Oh man. 3D sweat <laughs> dripping down.
2: T- yeah, yeah, stairs. yeah,
1: yeah.
0: They, they-
2: sweato vision where they they drip water <laughs> from the ceiling. <laughs> Studio
1: the They spent $40 million turning all the sweat 3D. <laughs> okay, so let's dive into this thing. Top Gun. Let's
0: so, enter the
2: danger
1: zone.
0: Right,
2: yeah, right. Let's go to the,
1: <laughs> the highway. This movie opens up with a very straightforward black and white title screen that says Top Gun in big, bold letters, at which point everybody in the room burst into laughter. <laughs> so this movie opens with a cold open flashback to the 1930s with Frankenstein. And <laughs> <laughs> but 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 this this was the only Tony Scott movie where it was in black and white, right. <laughs>
0: All right, so first off, let me just sit, get this out of the way. I think that the aerial battles in this movie are shot really well, like really well done.
2: Yeah, I would agree right. with
0: that. Like there are certain points where they have like the camera like on like the wing or on like the missiles or something. And like the, the, the plane is like doing all these movements.
1: You can see the horizon and the curve of the earth flying around. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that looked fantastic. The logistics of it when I was thinking about how they would have accomplished that is uh, harrowing and it's impressive Did to it me. Did it take
0: your breath away? <laughs>
1: <laughs> boom, boom, <laughs> boom, <laughs> boom. <laughs> Um, yes, it absolutely took my breath away. <laughs>
2: so I, I yeah. thought it did a really good job of making you feel like you were up there, right? Because you didn't have there was no big picture view to see everything that was going on, like at any point, which is exactly what you wouldn't have if you were up there in the jets with them. I
1: felt like Goose. I was looking around my shoulder the entire time to see if I could see other MIGs coming in on <laughs> our on, on our six.
2: I, I felt like. Goose. <laughs>
1: Okay, so it opens up with them taking off somewhere in the Indian Ocean. And the Adriatic Sea. Right. Flying towards <laughs> Transylvania.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm thinking about Van Helsing.
1: <laughs> They're flying towards Transylvania. <laughs> Okay, so they're in the middle of the Indian Ocean, and these F-14s are taking off to do a routine patrol around the ship, and they encounter MIGs. This scene is essentially a game of tag between the American pilots and the country of unknown origin. Yeah, the enemy MIGs. Yeah, the enemy MIGs. I guess it's it's in. What country
0: were they? So they had like red stars. I guess on it's
1: they're communist. I guess. I and then it
0: wasn't like the logo on their helmets, like a fist grabbing a lightning bolt. Yeah, something
1: like that. Seems very fascinating. Fascist to me.
2: Yeah. So
1: it's communist origin.
2: I mean, international tensions were high at this point with the Cold War. I don't think we wanted to... I got know, a question for you. Upset is, anyone. Once you
1: get a missile lock on the other plane, does the other plane just give up and that's it? It's like a game of tag with missile lock? Oh, they don't want to die, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think early on in that first scene when they engage with the enemy MiGs, the, the enemy seems to have kind of stepped into the wrong territory. That was the that was the idea I had there, and which is why they kept counting down of how close they were getting basically to the ship because they don't want the enemy MiGs to get to the ship and fire on the ship. So they sent out the, the jets to face them, scare them, think that, you know, if they try anything that they'll just be shot down. It's basically a game of intimidation. So when
1: But the, it seemed that they all knew that. That they all knew that it was a game of intimidation and that the enemy MiGs were aware of that as well. So then I'm going to pose this question. Why did the character Cougar have like <laughs> have like this like ego, break like, like, like this ego death. He like no longer exists as a human being anymore. (laughs) They're like, they're like, come on, Cougar, fly back. he's just like, it looks like he's dying of cholera. He's like sweating to death. He's our first
2: sweaty man. (laughs) First of many sweaty men.
1: He is. uh, All right. I'll say this, though. He's the sweatiest of all the sweaty men.
2: He basically has a panic attack up there because he has the enemy MIG on him. And for whatever reason, he thought that he was in real danger. He looked at the picture of his his wife and kid and he realized how much he had to lose. And all that weighed too much on him up in the jet. So he lost his school.
1: All right, I'll pose this question. Are they put through a battery of mental examinations to see if they can handle stresses like that?
0: According to Armageddon, you remember, yes, they are. That's my scientific (laughs) reference,
1: Armageddon. Okay, so going with Armageddon law... They have been, uh... Rigorously screened. So this shouldn't happen. And then, but 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 it does. So they, you know, Maverick acts like a Maverick, and instead of landing with low fuel, goes back out and kind of, like... I didn't get this. Like, what talks was he him, going to do? Talks him back in? Is that, is, is that what happens? He makes it in with almost no fuel, and then it cuts to the next scene where he's in the office of the commanding officer on the aircraft carrier, and essentially throws the equivalent of, like, a detective turning his badge in.
0: Yeah, Cougar, uh, <laughs> He gives up. He pulls off his wings and throws them on the... the,
1: the From what I understand, if you enlist in the military, they own you. You can't just be like, that's it, I'm done. Bye, guys. And then just
2: leave. (laughs) You're in the middle of the
1: ocean. Like, how are you getting home?
2: I I guess, I mean, he turned in his wings, so he's not going to be a pilot anymore. I mean, maybe You can't do
1: that. They own you. He's going to swab the poop deck. That's going to be his new job.
2: Yeah, I mean, I have to think that if you went into your commanding officer and you're like, I can't fly planes anymore, I freaked out. They're not going to hand you the keys to the $40 million plane and say, here, go fly Again,
1: I don't know. That's what happens at the end of this movie with uh, Tom Cruise. Yeah, they force him to go out again. Yeah, they didn't force him. They said, Keep sending him up. They're like, Keep sending him up. And then after he came to the graduation, they're like, All right, we got a mission for everybody. And there are 40 or 50 people there that they could have chosen from. And they choose the one person who had essentially the exact same problem, like a panic attack out there. We just
2: covered the end of the movie. We're done, right? Yeah, all right. So
1: so, that
0: was Top Gun. After Tom Cruise shows his stuff up in the air, he gets chosen to. join the
1: best of the best of the best, the men in black elite. Not before he gets chewed out though, because he's writing checks his body can't cash.
0: Yeah. And he gets chosen to be a
1: member of Top Gun. What is this Top Gun Academy? What's going on there? It's a bunch of rough and tumble boys just trying to do their best to figure out how to fly planes the best they can.
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's basically just, you know, it's like the AP class, right? I mean, these are like the best kids. They get thrown into another higher level class to learn more flight training and stuff like that.
1: And just like in high School, they're exploring their sexuality. Iceman,
2: <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of locker room hygiene. A lot of locker room hygiene. When we first see
1: people <laughs> spanking each other with towels, and when we first are introduced to Val Kilmer, there's a grown man has like his arms around him, <laughs> like whispering in his ear. That's his boy. And Iceman makes love to Tom Cruise with his eyes while spinning his pen
2: seductively. That yeah, was funny. That was, what was that, that, that was about? Pretty
0: funny. <laughs> well, when Tom. Cruz arrives at the Top Gun Academy. He's riding his motorcycle at top speed and the, the planes are
1: shooting off around him. And then and then he waves to it or something Yeah, no, he like, gives him, like
0: a fist pump. Oh yeah, he <laughs>
2: fist pumps.
1: So after this scene, we're then taken down to a little bit of shore leave at the local bar. <laughs> <laughs> So they're at their local gin mill and what is it with you in this gin mill? I like that phrase. I like that turn of phrase. Gin mill. That's cool. No, it's not. It reminds me, it makes me think that they're in Holland or something. Dexter Holland.
0: <laughs> what? <laughs>
1: they're inside him.
0: <laughs> the guy from The Offspring. All right, so they're, they're in this bar and the women, how would you describe the way they're dressed? Like
1: the, the 80s fashion. Of the you day? can't get over this. Yes, yes they don't, they don't, look like the women now, so they're not as attractive. The yeah, end. It's,
0: it's, <laughs> it's, it's shocking to me. What people thought was, like, hot back in the 80s. It's shocking stuff.
1: Well, I mean, in this modern day, post Megan Fox world, you know. Yes, the, these women would never have survived in Hollywood's supermodel elite. Which makes you wonder, what's gonna happen, like, 10, 20 years from now? Like, we're gonna look back, they're
0: gonna be like, oh my god, Megan Fox? Women, we,
1: women are gonna be so attractive in 10 years, that men aren't going to be able to go to the movies <laughs> without, you know, taking some type of anti-Viagra.
3: <laughs> what?
2: <laughs>
0: what? <laughs> 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 you have to chemically castrate.
1: <laughs>
2: hey, guys, you ready to go to the movies? Hold on. Hold on. Hold I got to get myself
1: I had to chemically subdue my unbridled erections. Hold on.
2: What does this have to do
1: with Top Gun?
2: Joe, so you just need to get over the fact that tastes change. I mean, 20 years from now, you're going to look back at pictures of yourself and you gonna be like, why was I wearing these crazy clothes? Like, I looked ridiculous.
3: Sure,
0: sure, sure. You know what it is? I just love to hate to
1: love the 80s. So
0: you, oh you can figure God. that
1: out yourself. I love to hate to love you. Okay. <laughs> so in this scene, Tom Cruise apparently has a pickup song and dance routine. It's not even a pickup line, he goes. Yeah, he has the world's greatest pickup routine. Amazing. Yeah, it's Gets all the ladies. Yeah, he he turns to Goose and he goes, I think yeah, she's lost that love and feeling. I think she's lost that love and feeling. He's like, hate it when she loses that love and feeling. And then he puts on his aviator sunglasses in the middle of the night in a bar. Which, by the way, Val Kilmer was already wearing his in the middle of the night. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna let that slide back. It is pretty <laughs> cool. Very cool. Tom Hart. Tom Cruise, so, <laughs> Very yes, he's very Cory Hart. Tom Cruise hooks up a microphone to a unknown PA system somewhere and starts singing <laughs> and then everybody else in the bar joins in in a very glee you know high school musical style song and dance
0: just like in she's all that they practice this yeah yeah, yeah. Kevin yeah.
1: Kevin this is just like in she's all that they break out in the song and dance
0: well you know this implies that Tom Cruise has done this before and he'll do it again oh yeah right? definitely like,
1: this is his thing like he, yeah, yeah he picks a
0: random victim serenades them and they swoon mm-hmm. but I, I guess it worked because uh, they get together Eventually. It's
1: very charming. He's a real maverick because this is this is a dangerous maneuver.
0: The only maverick I care about is Mel Gibson.
1: You know what I'm talking about? Nope. Mm-hmm. Kevin gets it. Yeah. So it turns out that this woman is actually his instructor, his civilian, whatever, contractor. She that's going emasculates to... him. Yeah. They're... She chemically castrates him. <laughs> <laughs> no, she doesn't do it. Of... She calls him a big baby in front of all his <laughs> friends. and <laughs> Then he cries and runs out of the classroom, and it turns out that after all of this posturing and trying to get this woman in the bar, that she is actually his (laughs) civilian contractor who's going to teach them how to properly pilot a F-14 in a combat situation against a MiG.
0: Okay, so they have their first training mission in the Top Gun class, and as is tradition in Top Gun Academy, everyone gets uh, oiled up and they take a shower together. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's like standing orders from the president.
2: <laughs> well, so at this point, every scene in which they're not in the showers... <laughs> right? Or in the locker room. Every dude is glistening with sweat Yes, in every scene. It's like they constantly have just the heat turned up to 150 degrees in every room they're in. I'm not even
1: sure that they actually towel off when they get out of the shower. Don't, you know, actually dry themselves and they're just wet the entire time. Their hair's wet, their (laughs) face is wet. During this shower scene, we get a real famous moment in movie history. Who wants to tackle this? It essentially starts out with Iceman having a problem with Maverick's code of safety. So Val Kilmer gets in Tom Tom cruise's face and i mean
0: literally like he's an inch away from his face
1: yeah there's a lot of close talking his lips are centimeters from tom cruise's lips and he essentially says i don't like you maverick you're dangerous to which tom cruise goes yeah that's right i'm dangerous and then iceman replies your flying is dangerous and it'll get someone hurt <laughs> or,
0: like, wow your dramatic reading is very good <laughs> <laughs> you want to do it no <laughs> Tom Cruise backtalks him, and then Val Kilmer goes in for the kill and, like, bites into the air like like a horse. What is the significance of this?
2: It's intimidating. Were you intimidated when you saw this? So, in their first training mission, Tom Cruise is actually able to get missile lock on the instructor, on who, Tom which is who they were chasing. He did an illegal maneuver, right? Yeah, well, he dropped, he he dropped a do... few
1: feet below 10,000, which was their lower ceiling that they weren't allowed to go below. So, he
2: technically got kind of disqualified for that, while Ice... Man got the missile lock according to the rules, which led to the confrontation in the locker room later. But it
1: also led to Tom Cruise getting chewed out, literally. <laughs> 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 By... <laughs> oh my
0: God.
2: He didn't help himself when he when he buzzed the tower while the...
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. well, we're introduced to my favorite character in the movie, uh, Coffee Man. <laughs> Too much Coffee Man. It's this guy who constantly gets
1: coffee spilled on him. <laughs> Everywhere he goes, he gets coffee spilled on him. It was like his sole purpose in this movie was to have coffee spilled on him. <laughs> it was like Tom Cruise sought out ways to startle him to get him to spill coffee all over his body. Like on his face, on his shirt, down his pants. Let's jump straight to the volleyball scene. This is my favorite scene in the movie because everybody is really oiled up. They're really flexing and... There is some great music playing. It's a song lets everybody know that, you know, Top Gun School's serious, but they have downtime, too, and they just want to play with the boys. <laughs> <laughs>
2: They basically play this volleyball game as if they're being photographed and videotaped. (laughs) They're constantly flexing their muscles in a way that you just wouldn't do naturally while playing a game of volleyball with a couple of your friends. Was this
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's just there's a bleacher with 50 guys on it that are
2: just like they're just chilling, watching, having a good time. (laughs) They work hard, they play hard. So the game isn't taken so seriously though that in the middle of it Tom Cruise doesn't just walk off in the middle of the game to throw his heavy spider jacket on despite the fact that he was just playing volleyball and is drenched in his own sweat yeah bomber jacket yeah he throws on that bomber jacket jumps on his motorcycle and runs off to have his secret dinner with he's gotta be so
1: smelly (laughs) and sweaty. Because he didn't shower. He just threw that t-shirt on that he was wearing all day. Oh, and by by the way, they're playing volleyball in jeans. Really tight mid-80s jeans. This is a physical impossibility, but... I'm going to digress because he's got a smell as he's going to this date, right? It's not like he's not close to her. He's right across the table from her and they're like drinking wine and enjoying like the finer things. He's got a reek.
2: He shows up late too. He shows up late, sweaty and stinky and asks, (laughs) can I use your shower? Like, how is that your move on your first date? How is that your move? And you're going to get anywhere with this girl. All right, so we're going to skip forward
1: a little bit and we're going to progress this relationship between Tom Cruise. And for whatever reason, they're in some type of of a uh, computer-generated flight simulation of a, of a fighter, I guess, uh, of like a MiG and an F-14 fight, and Tom Cruise does a maneuver that is unconventional and unorthodox, but for whatever reason, being the maverick that he is, he doesn't get shot and he wins the, the fight between the F-14 and the MiG. He kind of gets chewed out by uh, Kelly McGillis, and he kind of storms off in like a very emotional huff and drives away on his motorcycle. She then gets in her car and just like, in almost in like a police like from the bank, 70s. bank robbery bank robber chase scene from the 70s like chases him her car gets air like she's Airborne. yeah she's cutting off other cars she's
2: she's putting everyone's life at risk she blows through stop signs
1: she stops him and goes you know what i didn't you didn't let me finish but i couldn't finish because i didn't want them to know that i've fallen in love with you <laughs> we're then treated to this very awkward silhouette of them licking each other's faces is it it's supposed to Kevin? i think it's supposed to be sensual Kevin? I mean
2: it, <laughs> Kevin? it I, I mean it is sensual, right? But it's Is it comfortable? No, it's it's pretty awkward. Were to you watch highly it.
0: eroticized when you watched this? Uh,
2: no. Not in the least bit. I know you were, but yeah. the rest of us in the room weren't. I did to take my anti-viagra pills while I was watching
1: <laughs> it. I, I feel like I had like an inverted boner, if that's possible. You grew a vagina? Yeah, I guess that's an, inver- I guess that's
0: an inverted boner, right? <laughs> <laughs> So I have a fun fact about this sex scene. If you guys remember, it was all blue. Right. Now that wasn't a stylistic choice. That was that a That was to celebrate choice. the Navy. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> you have people who for the Navy <laughs> oh yeah accelerate your life <laughs> well the reason that it was blue is because when the movie was over they had a test screening and the 1986 audience complained that there was no sex scene they're like what the hell where's the sex scene in the original version they didn't do this so they had to do these shots after the fact you know, after the movie was over but by that point everybody had already started on other projects and Kelly McGillis was on another movie and she changed her hair color for that movie so they tinted the
1: scene blue to hide her hair color. Mm. In the next scene during a training exercise, Goose and Maverick get caught up in jet wash and they go into a spin out a unrecoverable situation where the F-14 spins uncontrollably towards the earth and it's going to crash and they have to eject Maverick and Goose pull the eject lever on both their seats but unfortunately the canopy on the F-14 does not come off fast enough.
0: Yeah, they try to eject, but Goose you think the guy that died in the make this movie died during this scene because they said he tried trying to do a flat spin probably
1: so this Could've is been. it yeah
0: and then Goose's character dies alright yeah so, so Goose dies a needless death at the hands of Tom Cruise's pathetic incompetence Tom
1: Cruise you have to admit was exonerated of all wrongdoing just like OJ Simpson <laughs> oh really he was guilty because he got away out of technicality like, <laughs> he was guilty but he had a great he, he, he had a hotshot lawyer that Got him out, like what? Exactly, that's exactly what happened in this movie. He's at a military tribunal. There's no (laughs) lawyers. Well, then the next thing that happens is Tom Skerritt comes in with his phenomenal mustache and essentially says, "Listen, people die, dude. Get over it." And then like pats him on the back and walks away. Suck it up, bro. bro. (laughs) And then just walks out. And Tom Cruise just stares at himself in the mirror like a baby. Like a baby? <laughs> Grow up, bro. Move on. His friend just died. Sad moment. Yeah, I know. Like, the corpse is still warm, and he's like, yeah. you gotta get over it, bro. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta get back in the cockpit, dude. <laughs> like, like we three got, hours later. We got a job to died. do. Oh, by the way, there was never a funeral, was there? Not that we saw. Burial at sea. Oh, really? Uh, they just they just leave his body there. No, we they, saw they, the they, helicopter, they... like, lift him up by the neck like a hangman's noose <laughs> up into the
2: helicopter. <laughs> they laid his body on a pile of hay, and they lit it on fire. Oh, they gave him a viking shoot? Roll, it is, it is, and then it is, Goose's, Goose's giant face, <laughs> it rose up into the clouds. And winked at us from heaven. It's <laughs> killing the kid. It has got on a raft and rode herself out the sea. Why are we so
0: haunted by Van Helsing? <laughs> Yeah, so Tom Cruise loses all his confidence. And that's pretty much the end of the movie, right? The end? (laughs) No. No, not remotely. (laughs) By the way, this is a, I guess it's a trope. Something that we see over and over again that I am sick and tired of. And quite frankly, I don't want to see it ever again. I quit. And then three seconds later, they come back. Right? How many times have you seen this? Have you never quit anything, Joel? Of course not.
1: (laughs) Joel, everything Joel does, he makes sure it's finished. To the end, all the T's are crossed, all the I's are dotted. Yeah.
0: Perfect. Like this podcast. I would never. Never quit this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wink, 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 wink. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do this forever.
2: So they're at the graduation and Adam, Adam Scarrett rolls over and he's got handwritten letter assignments for a handful of the graduates.
1: Yeah, like it's World War II and they're like writing with like a pen and a typewriter. It
2: came, came via telegram.
1: Yeah, essentially they have five sealed envelopes and they need five of the best pilots in the Top Gun Academy to run a mission immediately at graduation, I would stand to think that they could have used the pilots from last year's class, or maybe the class from the year before that one, but nope, they gotta use this year's class, so they pick Iceman, Slider, whatever, three other, two two other people that are Hollywood, yeah, Hollywood and and Sundown, and then Maverick, out of nowhere, to go out into the Indian Ocean
2: All right, so the five guys that were chosen at the graduation, they're now on a ship in the Indian Ocean, and Tom Cruise is now teamed up with Tim Robbins and the six guys get in their jets and they fly off. So there's three jets now and they encounter the enemy MiGs of which there's, what, like five. Six, five or six of them. And one of the enemy MiGs actually locks on and shoots down one of the jets.
1: So that's it. It's game time.
2: This is the first time in this whole movie where we've had, you know, jet battles that someone's actually been shot down. The rest of the time, it was all missile locks and, you know, pretend. So we finally get some real action here and, uh, you know, they step it up now that one of their guys have been shot down, and kind of one by one with some you know, in-flight trickery, Tom Cruise is able to uh, take out enough of the enemy MiGs that the rest of them retreat and, and head home. So, let's uh, yeah, say he,
1: he, he takes out like three of the five I, I think, single-handedly. Yeah, pretty much. And and he, they all head back, and Tom Cruise is the hero, essentially.
2: Yeah, everyone's on deck, they're waving their hands, they're having a big party, and he gets out of the jet, heads over to Iceman, and Iceman tells and he can be his wingman anytime.
1: Which Tom Cruise replies, hey, yeah, right, you'll be my wingman. That's
0: perfect. That was a fairy tale ending to an amazing story. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's it. That was Top Gun, right? Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. Every moment is hyped for maximum visuals and visceral impact, but Scott doesn't display the slightest bit of interest or belief in the actual characters and situations. Dave Kerr, Chicago Reader. The dog fights are absolutely the best since Clint Eastwood's electrifying aerial scenes in Firefox, but look out for the scenes where the people talk to one another. Roger Ebert, Chicago Sun-Times. And finally, this is everything that's wrong with 80s movies in one film. Ken Hank, Mountain Express.
2: That? Was that written during the 80s? (laughs) Like, how can you say that in 1986? This is everything that's wrong with our current day
0: movies. I think that was a modern day review. Okay, guys, so this movie currently holds a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad?
1: Okay, the way that I feel about Top Gun is dualistic. On one hand, I know it's a poorly made movie, and I know that the script is poor. So, like, a 50 is maybe a little too high for me. I think that it should probably be, like, in the high 30s. But on the other side, like, the last review that you gave that said it's everything that's wrong with 80 movies is what makes me like it so much. Like it, it is so kitschy and so ridiculous and like cheesy that it's just I, I don't know. I had a lot of fun watching. I was laughing the whole time. It was great. I I would give it like as far as pure enjoyment goes, I'm going to give it like a four out of five. I like this movie.
2: I also give it a four out of five. I think it's an irrational score partly because something we touched on previously is when you're younger, the movies you watch when you're younger, you kind of hold in esteem, right? So like people from our generation hold the Goonies in, in this steam that probably from a movie perspective doesn't really deserve. Top Gun's that movie for me. Like I watched this when I was a little kid and loved it. It's a great action movie and I was a big Tom Cruise fan back in the day too. So this, this this has a lot of elements that I really like and the movie's just a lot of fun. Okay,
0: so as for me, it's really that bad. Well, just like Kevin just said, I didn't see this movie when I was a kid. This is the first time I ever saw it. So I looked at it at, with fresh eyes of a newborn baby
1: lamb. <laughs> so you lack the ability to relate it to, to anything <laughs> I couldn't see anything at all I couldn't see anything at all uh, eyes were milky uh, white yeah, <laughs> yeah like what, what are you
0: what <laughs> Okay, I'm going to buck the trend here, the love fest. I liked this movie in the beginning. Like, the whole Top Gun training, all that stuff that was going on, locker room, all that crap. I was running on a three out of five. Like, it was so ridiculous, so over the top. There was a certain point where I thought this thing took a nosedive, and I I just got bored, and I just wanted it to be over. Like, the way you felt about Van Helsing, it was just like, I want this to end. Okay, so two fours and a two. That's got to be the most lopsided uh, outcome ever. All right, we got some voicemails. I'll play those for you right now. To listen to your message. Messages, press
4: one. Hi, this is Chris from San Diego. I'm here to review Van Helsing. I was debating whether or not to watch this movie, because I have the DVD. And I was like, eh, yeah, maybe not. Not because I don't like the movie. I love the movie. It was fun. I remember going to the Van Helsing ride, or walkthrough, in the Universal Studios. I'm like, yeah, this is going to be pretty good. And then I saw the movie. What can I say? Um... I can't think of anything bad. I mean, I get that's supposed to be cheesy. I, I liked it a lot. Who was the best actor in this movie? Igor. Yeah, that dude that was in The Mummy. Ah oh, man, he's still the show and everything. I saw him in a in a sci-fi movie, *Flight of the Dead*. Like really low-budget, freaking zombie movie. And that guy, he saw the freaking show. He seriously doesn't get enough like any more like enough respect in Hollywood in movies and he's so good. He was in *Doctor Mindbender*. <laughs> it's Steven freaking uh *G.I. Joe*, and he did pretty damn good in that too. So yeah, Ben Helsing, damn good movie. Hi
5: guys, it's Leo from Mandy, Connecticut again. My history with Tom Gunn started when I was seven years old, and I well, I only watched bits and pieces of it. And I watched a whole movie yesterday, and I clearly had a blast with seeing this film. This is clearly one of the reasons why Tom Cruise became a big star in the first place, and I thought that he and Kelly McGillis had good chemistry together of as he, her, and Val Kilmer and the rest of the cast seem to be having a good time making it. In fact, I was, yesterday I was listening to Take My Breath Away on my computer a few hours before you announced you were going to be reviewing this movie. So clearly I hope you guys will get a kick out of it. In case if you want to see how entertaining that film is, I do like some scenes, like some volleyball scenes, which is where you guys clearly mentioned a few times, so... Um, that's what I had to say about Top
3: Gun, so... Hi, it's the from Phoenix. So, Top Gun is good, slash bad. It's not as bad as most of the movies you review. It's actually pretty good. It's got everything going for it. It's got a great plot. It's got mostly good characters and actors, and you know where it's going. It's shot pretty decently. The only problem is there's so many scenes in this movie that are unintentionally insane or unintentionally gay. Now, if you're being intentionally gay, then I have no problem with it. But there's so many scenes in this movie where they're trying to come off as macho, and it just comes off like two dudes are just going to start making out at any given point in this movie. Like the locker room scene. And now for a dramatic reading, You're dangerous. That's right. I am dangerous. ice man. And then you just expect it to turn into this big, sweaty, make-out scene between Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise. Ugh. And then... Then there's the volleyball scene where you just expect that they put it in there for women and men alike to just pause it and go rub one out. There's so much body oil in that scene. <laughs> it looks like the Exxon Valdez exploded all over a volleyball court and they're all just rolling in it. Look at how shiny I am.
4: <laughs> I'm bashful and nervous. Yo, it's your boy Tyrone from Oregon, where the trees are always watching. Take my breath away. Boom, boom. Okay, yo, time to talk about Top Gun, baby. I would like to quote my man, Quentin Tarantino. He once said, uh, Top Gun is a story about a man struggling with his own homosexuality. And boy, is he right. Remember that Abercrombie and Fitch-esque volleyball scene? All those muscles and six-packs, sweaty and oiled up and shit, and Tom Cruise's ass and them whitey-tidies? That sexy, gay, Scientologist ass. Damn. And uh, Val Kilmer, always hitting on him and shit. And, uh, you know, I'll always be your wingman. Damn right, Val Kilmer. No, but seriously, Top Gun is an 80s classic and deserves respect, you goddamn circus animal. Tyrone is outie. End of new messages.
0: Thanks for those voicemails, guys. Thanks, guys. All right, let's read some listener mail. Okay, so we got a lot of listener mail and a lot of question of the week. So I'm just going to read these as quick as I can. I'll just pick and choose a little bit from each, and then we'll go on from there. Okay, so Miles writes in. He wants to correct us about our use of improper terminology during the Underworld review. So he says, hi, everyone. Good show last Tuesday. Wanted to chime in on the scene mentioned where Kate Beckinsale's character, Celine blasts a hole in an incredibly thick apartment floor and drops through. I have only seen one small part of this movie, specifically the first gunfight but you refer to her weapons as semi-automatics. The guns I saw were fully automatic, likely some variant of Beretta 9mm. Also, I have shot bullets of widely varying power and size through all sorts of materials, and would have no confidence in using any gun in the world to chew enough of a hole in any floor to effect an escape from bad guys. Not even a 50 BMG, which is a tad impractical to walk around with. But that's not to say that something like that has never been done. Sarah writes, saying, I've been wondering, have you guys ever thought about starting some sort of B-side once a month podcast where you all just shoot the shit about stuff? Sometimes I feel cheated that your laughter and other tangents are cut. Then again, I understand if people can't handle a little fun and joy in their podcasts. Thanks, dudes. Fun going on.
1: So what do you guys think of that idea? You know how I feel about the stuff that gets cut. I think that it's that's gold.
2: It sounds like you're getting a lot of requests of people to do everything but talk about movies. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, should we just be hanging out and recording ourselves? Should we just ourselves? be hanging out and recording ourselves? Just talk talking about, like, and laughing? About anything. What are we going to talk about? about like, what do we
1: even talk about? Like, Ju- Justice League Unlimited? Like, <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. All right. Talk- let's go. <laughs> it's a DCU Podcast. Let's go. I'm DC all in. Universe all podcast. in, my friends.
1: Let's go. <laughs> Here's the thing. So
0: during the infamous lost episode, episode seven, we flew off the handle and talked about whatever.
1: Me more than you.
0: And we got fault. destroyed in on iTunes reviews. That is why, in case anybody's wondering, why episode seven doesn't exist why I shot it into the sun and it's gone. It's because I kept... Uh, we kept just talking about like Nickelodeon and other stupid crap and people went crazy and they gave us like one-star reviews. Yeah, so that's pretty much why I try to keep these tangents to a minimum because we were harshly punished the first time around. You know, when I initially envisioned this show, I, I considered it to be like just like what she's mentioning, just like us shooting the shit, talking about movies with a very loose structure. That's what I initially envisioned the show as. But because of episode seven the lost forgotten episode and also the twilight
1: episode as far as building a structure
0: yeah that's why the show is the way it is because people made it very clear like stay on topic you idiots knock it off and and we listen to that so that that's why
1: we don't choose the but would we ever do this rambling side show this is I mean like it's all we do whenever we hang out so I don't know
2: maybe I mean you could do it as like a you know Facebook friends only ah oh, get Facebook into friend? my good graces <laughs> click the
0: like button today I don't no, we'll see. We'll see about. It. I mean, because our time is strapped as it is, right? Yeah, to, to, we to, just to do this.
1: So to get together to talk about nothing, we all work and we all we all have a lot of extracurricular activities that we do. We, we're all Renaissance men. <laughs>
2: yes. Let me ask you this. I have my own question for you. Did you ever consider watching the movie like while recording? Because You know, how you like we crack jokes during the movie. You well, want like, I, I um,
0: haven't. I, I'm pretty sure I have an email here where someone asked us. You want to wanna do... do an MST 3000? Yeah, he, he wants us to do a commentary.
2: Not so much. Not so much like the, the movie would be in the background, like the whole thing. I'm not talking like for an hour and forty minutes. We'd have an episode like we're doing our own commentary. But I mean, like just doing it, and pulling out like the good parts of it. I was just curious. I'm not suggesting it. was so just curious. it would, you it would be like
1: an MST. T three thousand but edited.
2: Yeah, I guess so. Because no one no one would want to listen to a two hour and twelve minute Van Helsing episode.
1: I didn't want to talk about a two-hour, 12-minute Van Helsing so I didn't want to watch a two-hour, 12-minute Van Helsing movie. Well, Kevin, to go
0: along with your your idea here, uh, Josh writes in and says, At the moment, I'm listening to your review of Bicentennial Man and it reminded me that I haven't seen it in quite a while. I haven't heard back from you guys yet on doing a commentary, but how would you feel about giving Bicentennial Man a commentary? I think it could be a good one. There's a lot of material to rip on, yet there's material to praise. It could make for a good balance of positive
1: and negative. What do you think? Would you do that? Art? I would do a Bicentennial Man. Centennial commentary. I like that movie, though.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it would be kind of cool to say, like, you know, pop this in when you're going to watch the movie, like, listen to us while watching it and it'll be a commentary that goes along. Just start them at the same time or whatever. I mean, it'd be kind of cool, at least to experiment with. Well, I guess we'll, we'll think about it. Who knows?
0: Okay, Constance writes in and says, are there any podcasts who you guys regularly listen to or would recommend? I enjoy podcasts, but currently I only subscribe to yours and to others. So many, as you probably know, are just a waste of time. Time.
1: Good question. I mean, I always try to listen to This American Life. That's yeah. that's my that's my go to podcast. That should be
0: standard issue to anybody who listens to podcasts. Is, is that, I mean,
1: that's that that's the gold standard as far as like journalism quality of a radio show. I mean, like they're the best. Like no one's going to argue that. Yeah.
0: If you like that, I also recommend Radiolab. You should listen to that as yeah, well.
1: Radiolab is good. Kevin, what do you listen to?
2: Uh, I listen to The Economist, Money Talks, This American Life, The BS Report, and the Men in Blazers podcast through the Grant. Land Network.
1: The Economist, I heard, is good actually.
2: Yeah, it's it's really good. I mean, the Economist podcasts are usually like pretty short, but it covers some pretty interesting stuff. You're, you're into in, like you know, economy and politics and business and stuff like
1: that. Have you uh, ever listened to Bloomberg's podcast?
2: I used to a little bit. Was it good or it, it was alright? I, I I mean I have limited time. I have a kind of that was a you know lengthy list. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. between Money Talks and The Economist, I get most of, most of that stuff. Yeah.
0: If you're looking for a movie podcast, my biggest recommendation would be now playing. I think that's probably the best legitimate movie movie review podcast and they do like older movies like us and they go really deep and in depth i really like them spill.com they're really good for current movie stuff i like film junk as for other stuff um along the lines of this american life one of their contributors is a guy named Jonathan Goldstein i'm really into his podcast called wiretap i used to listen to so many podcasts but i, I agree with her like there's a lot of them are just a waste of time like there's there's too many to keep track of so oh 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 and um i also like a uh, jo- Jordan, Jesse Go, which is one of Jesse Thorne's Maximum Fun Podcasts. So there you go. Look at any of those things. They're, they're they're all pretty good. Is Kevin
1: Smith still doing his... I gave up on the Smodcast a long, long,
0: time ago. You know what? Like, ago.
1: I think he, something happened and you stopped putting him out and then I just stopped listening.
2: Yeah, I haven't listened to any of them in a really long time. Yeah, yeah. right? I,
1: I, don't, I don't know why I gave up on it. Like, I really don't. But I used to listen to a ton of those.
2: It, to me, it became overwhelming. He had one podcast and I listened to that regularly. And then all of a sudden there was like four. And then there was like 20. Yeah. And all those, it's too much.
0: Now it's daily, right? He
2: has them every day. I think so. They're live and everything, right? Yeah. Is that where you're taking this? We are going live eventually? Yeah, we're just gonna review movies 24 <laughs> hours a day.
1: <laughs> yeah, eventually we'll do a Broadway version where we review movies in front of an audience.
2: If you're, yeah, but if anyone's into English Premier League soccer, the Men and Blazers podcast is is pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, love yeah, that yeah. I,
1: yeah, I'm sure that that's a. If we were gonna do a, a Venn diagram. <laughs> I'm sure that the two
2: audiences would merge very well. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? The, the, the hosts are hilarious. It's really funny. So for the f- five or six people listening that are into that, go for it. Yeah, I've stopped
0: listening to more podcasts than I can remember, so. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yeahitsthatbad at gmail.com. Now it's time for the question of the week, and the question of the week was, who do you think is a really bad director yet to continue to get work? And I think this is probably one of the most popular questions of the weeks
1: ever. This one blew up like within like, hours
0: the crazy very detailed responses I'm not gonna be able to read all these so let me just skim through them Shannon writes in and says as for the question of the week the easy answer is Uwe Boll but I'm going with Brett Ratner I've only like two movies that he's made and they both have Rush Hour in them so that tells you how far he has grown as a director cause he killed the golden goose with Rush Hour 3 he helped put the final nail in the coffin with the X-Men movie series and the trailer for this new film Tower Heist is pretty terrible But his movies somehow keep making money. Anonymous says Rob Cohen. He is the guy that not only brought us the first installments of The Fast and the Furious and Triple X, but he also gave us Dragonheart with your main man, Dennis Quaid. There's also Daylight, The Skulls, and the Gigantic Disappointments, (laughs) Stealth and the Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. All right, Connie says, Raja Gosnell. If you've never heard of him, he's the dude that directed the Scooby Doo movies, the first Big Mama's house, and the live action Smurfs, the weak Home Alone 3, and the one you could possibly cover on your show, Yours, Mine, and ours, starring the one and only Dennis Quaid. Robert from Scotland said, at Night Shyamalan.
2: Yeah, I mean, almost everyone on this list so far has been someone who is commercially successful, right? Yep, there, there's right. your answer right there. Loudon says, bad
0: movie director for me, Brian Levant. This man not only helmed those god-awful live-action Flintstones movies, but he also did Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Beethoven, Snow Dogs with Kubi Kubi Jr., and most recently, The Spy Next Door, starring Jackie Chan. It almost all... All of them made bank. There you go, Kevin. Noir babe says the director I pick is Kevin Smith. Don't get me wrong. He did some really good movies early in his career, but his good movie trajectory is on a crash course since dogma. It's been all downhill. What's worse is he thinks it's the critics fault, not himself. He acts like a whiny baby when people criticize his latest work. I used to be a big fan but Mr. Smith. You have to stop now.
1: Wow. Wow. Calm out. I agree with him being very critical of the critics themselves instead of actually actually being a little more introspective in his movie making.
0: Geneva says, Dominic Cena, he started out promising back in 1993 with California with Brad Pitt and Juliet Lewis, but now he's been a hack for hire. Dino 60 Seconds and Swordfish were really idiotic, but it was soon sealed by Whiteout. And the most recent crap you guys can review next, Season of the Witch, starring one of your patron saints, Nicolas Cage.
1: I like how we have patron saints. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, like they like bless our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, there's, there's three of them. <laughs> Nicolas know, Cage, Emily that is great Early
0: Browning. <laughs> Finally, Anonymous says, Tim Burton. He's a washed-out hack. Seriously, who greenlit Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Gene Wilder absolutely nailed Willy Wonka. It was a dumber move than the dumbass who remade The Shining. Remakes only work if the original wasn't executed flawlessly. Every movie the guy puts out is exactly the same. Throw in some Johnny Depp, a little Helena Bonham Carter, and film everything at night. Whoa. He- what do you think about this, Kevin?
2: I, I want to lean towards agreeing with that individual because... I- I hold Willy Wonka very high in, in my rankings of all-time great movies. I it, love Willy isn't Wonka. Isn't this going back to
1: the same problem we had before, though, where it was like you have this movie that you saw in your childhood where you view it as emotionally significant? Yeah, And yeah. then, okay, so let's take Willy Wonka out of the equation and we'll go to like Sweeney Todd or, uh, you know, Edward Scissorhands or Beetlejuice or whatever. I think that those are all very good movies.
2: They're not really my cup of tea. I like Tim Burton,
1: so. So do I. There you go. That was a. I think it was a good director. That was an incendiary. Very common. In- from In- anonymous. In- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. So, thanks for those responses, guys. There are a ton more of these. So, I highly recommend everyone go to YadStepBad Read the comments on the Van Helsing episodes page to see more of these. Also, next week for the listener mail, I want more questions where people ask us stuff like our opinions on things, things where we actually express ourselves a little more as opposed to just listing movies. So that's that's a challenge
1: I put out to people. Like Joel wants to talk more about ideas. That- events. Joel wants, wants to-, to talk about himself.
0: Yeah. Joel is a... Uh- I want this to be the new school of Athens where we sit around and discuss philosophy and other such things.
1: Joel is a self-absorbed demigod. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> for, as for this week's question of the week, we got two emails here from Margaret and Kelsey. They were inspired by our comments during last week's listeners' mail segment, where we discussed what movies traumatized us as kids. So, inspired by them, what movie traumatized you? And I'm lifting the age restrictions, so you don't have to be a kid. You know, you could have seen some horrific thing last week that really traumatized you. So,
1: I know a lot of people, even recently, have have told me that they watched uh, Human Centipede because there was there was quite a buzz about it. And and they really regretted it.
0: I regretted it, but not for—I
1: mean, for any it was shock a ba- value reasons. It was a bad movie, but like, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of people that said that Saw Five or a lot of movies from the Saw series bothered them. So,
0: okay, so can you name a movie that traumatized you, either as a kid or as an adult? Head on over to YesThatBad.com, leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer, and we will read it on the show. Okay, now it's time to announce the winner of the listener's choice poll, and the choices were Tron Legacy versus is pitch black and the winner is Tron Legacy. It's a real come from behind victory. So this movie is currently playing on Netflix Instant so you can play along with us at home. So if you've already seen this movie give us a call at 973-797-9324 give us a call leave us your little mini review and we will play it on the show. Once again tune in next week when we will be watching Tron Legacy. Thanks for listening to the show if you like what you've heard please consider subscribing we have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five star reviews Views really do help out the show. Head on over to facebook.com slash yeah it's that bad. Click the like button. Please help us out. We're, we've almost broken the 500 like barrier. We need your help to get us past this milestone. You can also follow us on Twitter at yeah it's bad. And you can listen to the show on your non iPhone or Zoom devices via Stitcher. You can get that at stitcher.com. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time.
1: It's like meeting the man of my dreams and then his beautiful, beautiful wife. Isn't it ironic? It's like. Ready, right your wedding day, a free ride. Well, you already pay. It's good advice that well, you, you just, just can't ride.
2: take. But whoever thought It figured. A couple of losers. <laughs> 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 this is just <disaster>. an <laughs>
3: Five minutes of useful content so far.
2: Good luck editing this one.